Blackjack with Griffin and David. Blackjack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blackjack. So there I was, minding my own business. This crazy old codger with a cane shows up, says he's my distant relative. I don't see any resemblance. So he says, how would you like to be rich? So I says, sure. So he lays this podcast on me. He says, this podcast will tell me the outcome of every sporting event till the end of the century. All I have to do is bet on the winner and I'll never lose. So I say, what's the catch? He says, no catch. Just keep it a secret. After that, he disappeared. I never saw him again. Oh, and he told me one more thing. He said, someday, some crazy, wild-eyed kid and a six-foot-one man who grew up in England (laughs) might show up asking about that podcast. (laughs) And if that ever happens, (coughs) funny, I never thought it'd be blank check. Griffin, I am 6'3", I just want to say. God damn it. I just want to make that clear. Wait, did he say 6'2"? He said I was six one, which is fine. I'm not Why worried do about men my height. Cares so much about the inches in a height. Yes, I don't care. Look, I, I yes, feel like there's an insinuation you. there, and I appreciate. I understand where you're, but I'm no, just, no, there's. Just for, I'm not insinuating anything. I truly don't understand <laughs> okay. why men are like, no, I'm not seven eleven. I'm six. I'm six foot. I don't get it. Here's the other thing. I like. I think I'm six three. When's the last I time I got six, measured one. by like height? Like probably when I was like sixteen years old. Yeah, like you. I don't know how tall you don't I am. Physicals every year. I do not. I mean, I guess I like go to the. I, I just feel like they never measure my. They like, measure you. Know, do, you, you. Know I mean? All right. Well, maybe maybe they do. And I'm no, still they six do. Three. They measure you. He's too tall. The do- the doctor can't reach <laughs> the top of his head. He's too tall. They just shrug and give up. Also, if my future self... You're 6'3", I said 6'1". You said 6'1". I'm 6'3". It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Do you have a ruler I genuinely right now? don't care. Yes, you do. Um, We've been talking about it for uh, two minutes. Do you have like a, a measuring tape? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do somewhere. Do you know if it's easily accessible? Tape yourself. Tape yourself quickly. Because we can end this right here, right now. <laughs> we can settle this. <laughs> Nicole, I'm I'm so happy we're doing this. What were you about oh, to say about your future self? Told me self? that I had to listen. Oh, it's so readily available. Uh, if my future it was right around the corner. If my future self told me I had to listen to a podcast to get rich, I wouldn't do it. I I don't listen to podcasts. Really? I find them mind numbing because it's a conversation that like I'm not part wow. of. You just want to be yeah, a guest I love on talking. everything. But my very yeah. approximate solo measure puts me at 6'2". So I don't know where that leads oh, us. Oh, probably 6'1". Oh, but, interesting. You know, I'm also... Actually, probably 6'1". Maybe <laughs> I had it but right But here's the, first the thing time. as well. Like, I'm probably like 5'11 because I slouch so much. And the doctor is the one like, you know, making you stand up straight against the wall. Mm. I'm not. I'm not 6'3". I don't <sighs> present as 6'3". No. See, David, now I'm worried that you're 6'3 <laughs> slouching, and the next time you go to the doctor, you're going to stand up straight and turn out to be 6'8". All I know is they made me play basketball when I was a little kid because I was so tall. Who's and they? I was so bad at it. Like, you know, my parents, I don't know, gym teachers, they oh. were always like, well, you're so tall, you'll be good at this. And, oh. you know, I can't, I don't have any high hand-eye coordination. Mm. And uh, I, much like Michael J. Fox, will look like a <laughs> tiny boy for the entirety of my life. But that's good. <laughs> you look great. I mean, I think it's good because you're also aging well. So you don't look like an old baby. You just look like a sprite young man.
Nicole, I feel like I'm heading towards Mm-mm. old baby. I do. I look in the mirror and I get I get worried about being a wrinkled Benjamin Button baby in five years. Mm-mm, not yet. I think you'll have to. Actually, you might not ever have to worry about it. Like, look okay. at Leslie Jordan. He just looks like a cute little old man, not an old baby. And he's very tiny. <sighs> I, I yeah. mean, that's a dream. That's I hope I end up like Leslie, <laughs> Leslie Jordan. That's best case. Scenario. Leslie Jordan's just going to cash Absolutely. those cute old man checks for another, uh, what, he's 30 years. So cute. I love uh, him so much. He's very adorable. He's so I'm realizing what I now want to see is like a variety special hosted by Leslie Jordan, oh. Baby Yoda. Like I want to see a Baby Yoda, Leslie Jordan double act doing like skits and songs and okay. dances. Right, they make I a can great kind team. of get into it, but like I don't know how I feel about Baby Yoda in a variety special. Also, I'm, I have very little interaction with Baby Yoda. That having been said, the last time we were on a podcast together, we talked Baby Yoda. Yes, um, I have not watched any more episodes. We talked Maria. Right, but yeah, he could get sort of David Pumpkin. So you've only seen those first three. Right. Yeah, you right. You, you you tapped out at three. Yeah, but but I have a counterpoint, Nicole. Your favorite Star Wars movie is the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh my God, it's so good. I love it. I've seen it twice now. Right. (laughs) So that's what I'm pitching. I'm pitching like a Leslie Jordan Baby Yoda Christmas. I'm picturing that kind of tone. You know, I'm on board now. I wasn't on board, but now I am. And they're like, they're like Penn and Teller. Like Baby Yoda still remains a silent act. You know, we're not going to have him speaking, yapping about. Leslie Jordan's doing all the talking. Okay. And and Baby Yoda's just there giving you, giving you energy, picking up objects, drinking tea. But I worry because uh, Casey Musgraves or Musgroves, or must something. She's a country singer. She had a Christmas special, mm-hmm. and it was not okay. It was not Wait, for why me. Was it not okay. It was like what was bad. The I don't want to say it's oh. bad because like several people were involved, maybe hundreds. I don't know. A lot of people tried really hard to make it good, but like I watched it and I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone tried hard enough. It was just like mm. weird and and strange and the line reads were insane the director must have been napping the whole time i don't it was just so you have to watch it i don't want to be rude but it was not for me i'm seeing that james corden swung by i'm, I'm, I'm looking he at did. the guest list here uh well, kendall okay. jenner was there yeah who this knows why L- lana del rey wow yeah oh, it was Rockettes like a lot of there. people but then it wasn't very cohesive some of the mm-hmm. sets were really cute I don't know. I just think it was a real miss. I sound like a bitch. What? I have two questions. Hell yeah, dude. Question number one is, I wonder if these things just need to be on network television. Right. Like, if it, to some degree, a holiday special needs to have mm, copious network. Notes. Yeah, maybe. You know? Maybe. Two, did they get Valanche in the writer's room? Mm. Like, that might be the whole problem right there. The, the- that he's involved or that he's not involved? That he's not involved. If you're making a Christmas special, you gotta get Bruce. And I don't think he was involved. I don't think he was. No, I don't know what Valanche is doing these so days. Griffin, the can you introduce our show? Yes. Get him in a room with Baby Yoda and Leslie Jordan. <laughs> Thus concludes our section. Do a Christmas special with Leslie Jordan and Baby Yoda. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. And this is the podcast Old Biff warned you about. It's a podcast about Jesus. filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby. And this is a mini series on the films of Robert Zemeckis. It's called Podcast Away. 
And today we are talking about Back to the Future 2, which is one of his first big check cashings. Sure. One could say, right? Sure, I mean, absolutely. Roger Rabbit right. He's is going to do whatever he wants. Right. Doing the like, right. But he he was like, that's that's a blank check where he did something so wild and ambitious that there was a big chance that he could have failed and really embarrassed himself in the process. This movie is him playing with house money. Like going back and, and saying, I'm going to do Back to the Future 2. He could do whatever the fuck he wanted. Um, Nicole, yeah? you... You specifically picked this movie, right? When we were asking you to come on, yeah, the Zemeckis. Like this is your Back to the Future movie. This is your Zemeckis movie. Well, right? Back to the Future One is my Zemeckis movie. Well, sure, but I enjoy Back to the Future Two. Okay, and I don't love Back to the I Future Three, but if it's on TV, I will not turn it off. Okay, so all three really check the box for it. <laughs> it's like. Right. Yeah, the first one, though, really, I truly love. I've seen it hundreds of times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agree. Well, our guest today is Nicole Byer, recent Emmy not winner. Hell yeah, dude. She didn't win I didn't realize this. You hosted all four nights of the Creative Arts Emmys. Sure did. Which was my first indication that I was not going to win the Emmy. Oh, you think they, they're like, well, they, they know like, okay, well, there's not going to be an awkward moment where the host wins. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. Absolutely. I was like, all right, I'll take your money as opposed to a statue. <laughs> but I was like pestering you all of last week to try to get a record time down because of our stupid podcast having this very set schedule of the order we need to do episodes in. And then I realized only the, after the fact, oh, I was pestering you while you were hosting four successive nights of an award show. <laughs> it's okay. From home. So I apologize. I apologize for that, Nicole. It's okay. Honestly, I shot it all in one night. But then, like, a lot of okay. productions have started up at the same time. So people want table reads and recording. It's been mm. really wild. Um, well, then. Are you still, you for- like, how how are you? Yes, thank you for doing this. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, how are you navigating, like, uh, uh, stuff at home versus stuff that you have to show up and go someplace to do? What is your attitude on that? Because I know a couple weeks ago I was talking with you about that. Uh-huh. And you were like, I'm I'm afraid of of outdoors and other people. I was afraid of outdoors and, and people, but now you better let me do a voiceover at a studio. I don't want you dropping off shit at my house that I have to set up and then shove back in a suitcase. <laughs> and I don't know how to do that. And then the Wi-Fi connection's not great. And then the Zoom clunks out. No, send me to a studio where there's nobody else there, or maybe like one other person, um, where everything's wiped down. And I bring my own little hand sanny. I like that. When there's like a lot of people, that gets scary. Like I've been doing a lot of COVID tests at the lot and that's a little frightening because there's a ton of people there, but like everyone's scared of each other. (laughs) Sure. So everyone's just. So it's kind of insane. You like eyes get wide when you get too close and you're like, we're not in the same production. It's uh, it's a wild time to be alive. The, the voiceover stuff I love because you're in like a plexiglass Hannibal Lecter cage. Mm -hmm. Like you feel even safer in some ways than you do at home. But the yes. second I'm in a room with another person, I start to freak out. Yeah, yeah. It's all fair. So, Back to the Future, a big franchise for you. It's one of my ultimate franchises, Nicole. David was saying mm-hmm. when we recorded our Back to the Future episode, and I was very much on one talking about how perfect that movie is, 
that like he likes Back to the Future, but it's not one of his big franchises. It isn't That's one of the crazy. movies that was like How do you not foundational love Back to the Future? I, I do Thank love you. it. Thank I just you. feel like I've seen it whatever four or five times versus that's like I, I didn't for some exactly. reason it was never in my constant rotation that's Thank so you, crazy to me i think it's a perfect movie deeply flawed yes. but a perfect that's, movie that's the weird magic of it you're like this movie's this movie's weird and yet yeah everything like, makes sense and works and feels very satisfying lorraine has it, it's that exact no real storyline yeah. except she's going to dodge sexual assault the whole movie. There's four attempts and to assault her in a two-hour movie. <laughs> for and children. also, she's thirsty for her son. <laughs> thirsty for her son on me. Yes, and she's thirsty for his. Yeah, it's it's a wild movie, but like I wouldn't change a thing. No, there was that thing going around Twitter, however long ago, of like name four perfect movies. And Back to the Future is such a good example of a movie you can say is perfect, but also can criticize deeply. But it's just like mm -hmm. fundamentally in conversation with itself, it works so perfectly. Yeah, it really does, because you can explain away a lot of it. Like the sexual assaults, sure, it was the 50s. People were poorly behaved. Right. She's got the hots right. for her son. How the fuck is she supposed to know that this little cutie who came to town is yeah. her son? And he's cute. Not her fault. He's a little cutie. And he's, he's got he's, megawatt charisma. Yeah, and he's got he's got 80s energy. He's got like And then a, he he's saves her from assaults. <laughs> he does. Yes. But then he plans to assault her. You know, it's a fun right. movie. But then her future husband actually saves her from assault. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is funny at the end of the movie when she's like, help, help. And that redhead is like dragging her away. And you're like, man, she's overreacting. As a kid, that's what I thought. As an adult, I was like, no, this is the fourth attempt. <laughs> and she's just like, no, not again. She's had a, a horrible week. Yeah. Now, David, David has like. Griffin, on record, said you're trying to turn me into the villain you're of this upset. show. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, th that like you were never very hot on Back to the Future Two. Right. That it was really just the first one for you. And I feel like you do, Nicole. Where I'm like, the first one is perfect, but this like two was kind of my movie in terms two of my fun. excitement hitting. It is a wild. Fever pitch. It's so fun and wild and creative and such a bug nuts approach to making a sequel that mm -hmm. I just think as a kid. I get so excited watching it because I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. Even yeah. though like, no one is better. The ambition mm -hmm. of two. Two is very ambitious. Also, as a kid, I was like, I can't wait for 2015. And then 2015 came. <laughs> yes. We didn't fucking get flying cars. No. Nope. There was no hoverboard. No I magic still have to clothes. bend over to tie my fucking shoelaces. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> mad about it uh yeah it's, it's also one of those things where like everyone had the checklist i feel like of like run run 2015 against back to the future 2015 what don't we have what's failed to come true this sucks <laughs> the future is awful uh -huh. and now i'm like all i want is to go back to 2015 2015 sounds fucking rad we yeah, didn't know how good we had it was a nice it was a nice year our last year of obama before right. we got our mm. uh, <laughs> our own biff tanner <laughs> yep. or tannen yes. as a as a president yes. right uh, america had a properly set up pandemic task response team yeah you know 
It's bad. But you know what? I think uh, things are going to pick up in October. Please don't ask me why October, because my theory doesn't really make sense when I say it out loud. <laughs> Wait, you think in one week... But this episode will week, come out in like two or three right, weeks. Right. Like yeah. it, it's just going to start turning around. Because I uh-huh, love that theory. I, I think it's going to be great. I think the back end of this year for everybody is going to be real nice. I mean, I love, I love that theory. I'm I'm actually kind of all in in that theory. Like, what else am I going to do? Think it's going to be yeah. worse? Like, what's that yeah. doing for me? Start thinking good it's thoughts for, uh, for October and it's going to happen. We have to have magical thinking. Right. I think that's a book I read. Mm. Uh, sure. Joan Didion. Magical yes, thinking. Joan yes. Didion. Right. Um. Yes. Back to the future, so, too, d- David. Yes. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Yes. Go, go ahead. I mean. I, no, I want to. I want to hear because I. I don't want to. I don't want to make you into too much of a heel. I don't want to present you too much as the Biff. I want to hear your because I like this movie. With this movie. Um, I remember yes. when I was watching it. I again have not seen it that many times. I've still seen it a few times. I remember once being at a sleepover where we watched it twice. Ooh, and I that's think a nice sleepover. I know. Sleepover. I think we watched it twice because like it was kind of fun the second time we must have been 10 or 11 years old, like to puzzle it out better. You know what I mean? Like the first time it's sort of overwhelming. The second time Mm -hmm. you can better see how it all fits together. I remember that. I remember being very upset that Biff just, I was very upset by Biff. Biff really like disturbed me when I was a kid. Yeah. He's bad. Mm -hmm. He is bad. Really bad. No good. Um, And he, yeah, sure. He disturbs me now, but now I kind of appreciate that. Like, I love that performance. I think Thomas Wilson's really funny in this movie. Like he's kind of the mm-hmm. so good. He's kind of the MVP of this one for me. Is that a wild opinion? That's not a wild opinion, right? No, I um, think I think he is. Yeah, I, like, I don't think I that's like, a wild opinion. You think that's a wild, that fully wild opinion? Because I like. No, Griff. I think it's not. Oh, okay, good. Okay, because Griff, what he's doing <laughs> yeah. with Griff is is weird. Like you mm-hmm. know, everyone else is yeah. kind of doing like very. Griff is Griff is a whole new take on. I guess he's still but aggro. He, He's still aggro, but he's like weird aggro, yeah. and I appreciate it. I appreciate that performance more than Michael J. Fox's performance as his son. His yeah. son was too dopey. I was like, "What is wrong with you?" Really dopey, really dopey. Very I dopey. forgot how dopey he was. Yeah, and he's yes. just like, "Oh, Dad, my sleeves are too long." Right. Like he's, he's walking down the street like he's never seen a street or people before. <laughs> he's the most clueless kid who's yes. ever lived. Yeah. But I do love I love Back to the Future so much. And it does have... I like that it has that weird kind of heart to it. And I like that it has that whole take that you're talking about, Nicole, where which I went on about in our last episode, that like the 50s were far seedier and nastier than, you know, you might remember, right? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a lot of what that movie's about. This movie, I think, is... All, you know, it's bananas. It's uh, a Rube Goldberg machine where all this crazy stuff is lining up in all this fun way. But I don't know what I'm rooting for in this movie except for them to just unfuck all the mistakes they made. Right? Like, what? What? what what's this movie like? You know, who am I? Who am I sort of? Who who do I love in this movie? Are as you I, kidding? You know, as, okay, well, Marty and yeah, Doc. Got, well, they're great. Yeah, I love two those of the best two people guys. to ever live. <laughs> That's who you're rooting for. You're rooting for Marty from 1985 and Doc from 1985. Yeah. They're they're great yeah. people. I think they're super cool. But basically, they like make a crazy mistake. They have to fix it. 
and they fix it. And it's great. It's fun. Well, Marty just makes the mistake. Right. So Doc, Doc actually brings him to the future to be like, your dopey ass son gets in trouble. Let's try to like not get this idiot in trouble. So they do that. And then the almanac, like that's Marty being a little selfish and showing that he is a flawed hero. I I would have that fantasy too. If I was Marty, I sympathize with that. I would, I would, I would, I would think about that. The doc has gone on and on and on about, you can't know too much about your future. And you know, it's not for personal gain. It's purely just to be like, Oh boy, we're on safari. David's in the a gambler, future. though. Right, that's, you, that's what it comes down to. I do like to gamble. David's yeah. got that. Oh. He's got the bug. I do like to gamble, but you know, it's do also, you like slots? I don't love slots. I'm more of like a. I like like poker and craps and oh. you know like table. I like the social like mm. weirdness of like casino yeah. gambling. Whereas I'm a video slots guy. Yeah, Griff just likes the slots. Yeah. Uh, last time I was in Vegas, I was blacked out sitting at a slot machine just like hitting the button and I looked at my friend and I was like that's how they get you to just keep playing you just keep playing you keep hitting the button and then a man walked by and went you didn't put any money in (laughs) it was on like demo never laughed harder it was just like the example mode where like it just kind of goes And I was just hitting the button. There's there's only two ways that story was going to end. The best way to gamble, right? It was either going to end with you not having put money in or you winning (laughs) a million dollars. (laughs) No, can't win anything if you didn't put nothing in. (laughs) That's true. See, this is my whole thing. You asked David in the last episode, why do you think this franchise resonated with you so much as a kid? Because I care about Back to the Future at large beyond just the first movie. And I I was like thinking about because I didn't have an answer at the time. And I, I think the things that really resonate with me are that it is such a character based franchise. Mm-hmm. Most of the other major movie franchises are so much about the universe, the lore, the mm-hmm. sort of like alternate reality. A lot of the stuff that you cover on Newcomers, Nicole, is like yes. the types of franchises like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings that you've uh. always been somewhat resistant to. Oh, where boy. you're like, I don't want to learn a language and a bunch mm-hmm. of different species and a different timeline or a different alternate universe or planet or whatever. And I'm a dork and I like that stuff. But Back to the Future feels pretty unique to me in that it is so much a franchise about these characters and the relationships between them and that it's about the ripple effects of the decisions that they make. Like all the travels they do, mm-hmm. all the wild things that happen are so much defined by those little decisions, you know? Can I uh, things say like Marty something? buying the almanac? Yes. So Paul Rust, do you know Paul Rust? He's a comic, he's an actor, of course, he's really we fun. Love Paul Rust. He's so the we were talking about Back to the Future at this job we were doing, and he was like I think kids love Back to the Future because everyone has that fantasy of saving their parents' marriage or, like, Mm. making their parents Mm. happy. And Back to the Future 1 and 2 are definitely about Marty trying to save his family. Right, right. That's the other thing for me. He's trying to, like, preserve the family unit, too. He's trying to, like, make a happy, happy family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great call. I think the other fundamental thing this franchise is about is, like your relationship to your parents in that way mm-hmm. and your fear of like in which ways do i want to be like my parents and in which ways do i want to be the opposite mm, of my yeah, parents yeah, yeah. it's so much about that like trying to outrun the legacy of your ancestors mm-hmm. but also like define a future for yourself 
And I feel like this movie digs into all of that. You're asking David what it's about other than like just its fun sort of riffs and puzzle mm -hmm. construction. But it is so much about, as Nicole said, like Marty keeps on making these decisions that actively make things worse. Like he mm -hmm. comes into this movie cocky because he nailed the first Back right. to the he Future He did such movie. a great job. He, he, he comes, back, that shit comes up. back to the so present. Tight. Everything's great. Right. Everything's perfect. Right. His par parents are happy. His siblings are mm -hmm. happy. All that. Yeah. And I think a key detail that the movie kind of glosses over is that Doc has been gone for who knows how long. Like he flies off and then he shows up in Marty's uh, parking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, his uh, garage uh, with uh, the, the future time machine. But we don't know in Doc Brown's life how long he's been traveling mm -hmm. around to different times. Sure. He has that suitcase with all the different denominations. He knows mm -hmm. all about future technology. And he seems to have a much stronger sense of the rules of time travel and paradox and cause and effect and mm -hmm. all this sort of stuff. His car takes garbage. Yeah, it's eco-friendly. We still don't have that. that. But he just, he knows everything. Mm -hmm. Like, he's able to explain everything going on around him. You know, Doc my, has no arc in this movie. Doc, yeah, I guess Doc doesn't really have an arc in this movie. Th three but, is his movie. Yes, three is his movie, but... I didn't I didn't need it set in the, in the wild, wild west. <laughs> I just... You're just hey, out on it. that. You don't want a Western. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want a Western. But then, it, like, that being said, I will watch it if it's on TV. My right. favorite part about Doc returning is, so Jennifer comes, Marty's looking at this car that he, like, fucking loves, and his parents are, like, looking at him lovingly in the house, and then they turn around and leave, and then an old man comes in a crazy car, and they fly away with, his, yes. with their son. That's, like, so funny to Perfect me. Perfect ending. And they're just in the house. Yeah, like, when do they, will they notice that Marty's gone? Well, like, do they see the flying no. car? Like, what? No, what, only Biff sees what's it. What's happening with Crispin Glover and uh, Homegirl? What's her name? Leah Thompson. Uh, Leah yes, Thompson, Leah Thompson. The best. The Yeah, absolute best. Uh, biggest crush for me when I was a kid. Uh, biggest movie crush possibly of all time. Mm. Uh, biggest thing to define uh, early while talking about this movie is the Crispin Glover of it all, mm -hmm. which has had like so many different stories in terms of what happened, but he is not in this movie. Uh, uh, Gail and like Zemeckis have always claimed that he asked for too much money mm. and so they balked and were like well we'll offer him the same amount we're offering Leah Thompson and Tom Wilson rather than the amount we're offering uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd which is what he asked for and he'll like break in a couple weeks he'll come back to the negotiating table and agree <laughs> to do it for the smaller amount and that never happened Crispin Glover's always contended that that wasn't what happened that it was more of like a philosophical thing and he had disagreements he, with them creatively. Yes. Right. He says he doesn't like the ending of Back to the Future because he doesn't like that them being happy is just them being rich. Mm. I get that. that. It's this yuppie fantasy. It's the car. It's the book deal. It's the nicer house. It's all material. But also, he probably did ask for more. It's probably some combo. Like, he probably mm -hmm. was pissed off about it, but yeah. if they paid him enough, he would have done it because that's, the you There's know, all, that's life yes. in Hollywood, right? Like, but... I believe him that he was like, this is corny that I all all that I get is to be rich at the end of the movie. 
But he's also like, he's a weird guy. He's they odd. talk about how hard it was to work with him on the first movie because he just sort of is on a different wavelength. Yeah. I think after the first movie, he has the Letterman appearance where he starts kicking shit. Wait, what? Like, he had developed a reputation. He went on Letterman <laughs> and started high kicking. What? That's wild. Then he did that movie with a rat, Willard. He, he did. I've never seen it. Yes. I, has anyone seen Willard, it? I have Rules. seen Wizard. Willard's so fun. good. <laughs> you, yeah, Willard's what is cool. it about? It's about a man who loves a rat. Wait, he loves a I lot should of rats. see this. It's about a man. It sounds. He good. loves so many rats. <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Do you know the Michael Jackson song Ben Nicole? Ben, I don't you know, think so. G- gentle it's, Ben. It was about Michael the... Jackson's first solo song. I think it's like a ballad. Oh that yeah. He's Do you know it? To Sing his it dear for friend me. Ben. Ben, the two of us It's something like that. Okay. And we'll find what we are looking for. Like it's See, like that. You know it. uh-huh. Singing. I know it. Uh that song is the ballad from a, a 70s movie called Ben, which is a sequel to the original Willard that the Crispin Glover Willard is a remake about about a lonely oh. guy whose only friends are rats who he uses to attack people who are mean to him. That's wild. And it's got this song that gets repurposed all the time because Michael Jackson was such a famous artist and people view it as like this big like love ballad. And it's a song being sung from a grown man to a rat. (laughs) And then the Crispin Glover remake sort of folds in the two original movies. So it has a cover of Ben in it that I (laughs) want to say maybe Crispin Glover sings himself. But the movie is also about... Ben the rat leading a revolution against Willard because he what? thinks they're not treating the rats with enough respect. So then the rats end up attacking Willard in the last third of the movie. It rules. That honestly sounds truly wild and a so real good. treat. And I might watch it. Absolutely watch it. Griff, uh, or I just read about, I forgot. So I just watched him kick Letterman. He doesn't kick him in the face, but he's inches away. He basically he comes like, really close to kicking right. David Letterman in the head. He stands up and, and is like, I'm strong. I can kick and does like a high kick. <laughs> and Letterman is just yes. like, all right. And gets off, gets up and walks off. And then they cut to commercial. Yeah. So clearly Letterman's wow. like not into it. And then they cut back to Letterman and Crispin Glover is gone. And Crispin Glover has never explained this basically, right? Like he's never really accounted for this. <laughs> Wow, to I mean, he's be always a fucking like, I'm a performance person. artist. <laughs> right. Right. I wonder. He's one of those people who's just like, I like to push boundaries. People can't handle what I'm doing. What is Crispin Glover's net worth? Uh, let's find out. I can Google. Also, is it's, Crispin his government name? <laughs> I all but certain. His father was also a weirdo actor who played like a James Bond henchman. Oh. Uh, is that right? And then became an acting teacher. Uh, so I'm pretty sure his Crispin is his legal birth name because his father was kind Not of. Not only a is it his legal birth radical. name, his middle name is Hellion. Hellion. Which is what? pretty crazy. Crispin Hellion. Crispin Glover. Hellion Glover. That's what right. What a wild yes. man. His is he worth, married? Uh, uh, it's a great question. He is. He's never not been married. married. I feel like he's dated a lot of like burlesque models. Yeah, he dated what? some like penthouse <laughs> pets of the month. Uh, he lives yes. in the Czech Republic. In like a castle. Yeah. Honestly, the more yes. I'm learning about this man is <laughs> very funny. 
He's a real dream. What and a his, wild man. His net worth, if you Google it, is put at three and a half million dollars, which is plenty of money, but you know, it's yeah. not like uh, I, yeah. I figured he would he would have a little bit more, but also right. who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the other wrinkle to that, Nicole. He's certainly made a lot of money in his career. He openly says that when he takes big jobs, things like the Charlie's Angels movies, it is mm-hmm. solely to then finance his own films. He has directed two movies oh. that have a cast almost entirely made up of uh, uh, mentally handicapped oh, people. Okay. okay. That are like very uh, uh, subversive and transgressive. And he it like builds his own sets and okay. self-finances the movies entirely and then goes around and screens them like with one print reading poetry before and after the screenings. I've seen Honestly, him do it once. Honestly, I'm uh, here for it. Very I bizarre. really like it. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right. But he's like absolutely a guy who spends millions of dollars making his own movies. He has dated some stunning women. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm looking at his 17-bedroom his check uh, estate right now. And, How uh, wild. It's pretty nice looking. I mean, for a 17, you know, you, you hear 17-bedroom check estate. Uh, this is it's what you'd imagine oh he's got some frescoes uh, i'm gonna what's a fresco you know where they just painted a painting right onto the wall like no frame like it's just oh, like art right on the that. wall yeah uh which is probably a pain he's, in the ass he's got a fridge like full maintain. of uh, he's got a fridge full of frescoes oh. too i'm noticing he, does, he loves fresco right <laughs> loves fresca i don't think i've had a fresca Oh, you'd Fresca's love, you'd the, love the one that it's uh, not fizzy, right? Willard, it is fizzy, and people on planes ask for it a lot. Okay. Can I have a Fresca or a Coke Zero? Fresca, Fresca's like Sprite if it tasted more like actual fruit. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. I think That's I'm how here I for describe that. it. It's a little more natural tasting. Um, the thing I want to say though is uh, Zemeckis goes off very quickly, starts working on. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is like a years-long project with all the technology they need to develop. But Universal wants Back to the Future 2, like immediately. Mm -hmm. So they go, if Fox and Lloyd are on board, we're down to do it. And Fox and Lloyd go, sure. And they go, great. Start brainstorming Back to the Future 2. So from what I gather, Bob Gale writes a full draft of Back to the Future 2 by himself without Zemeckis first. Yeah. While Zemeckis is on Roger Rabbit, he's like, well, you try this, something, come back to me, show me what it is. Mm-hmm. The screenplay is only credited to Bob Gale. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's his, it, it, um, Zemeckis only but, has a story credit. But the big key is they knew they had to do the future at the beginning because of the end of the first movie. Right. But originally, mm-hmm. the premise was not going back into the second film. The premise was... Marty goes back to the 60s because there's another disruption to him and his uh, siblings being born in that uh, it's it's Lorraine and George in college and Lorraine is like a hippie radical who goes to jail. And I think George is like maybe pro-military and he has to oh, get his no. parents to conceive. That sounds That's, like That was the original script was. It, yeah, it's him trying it, to get his parents to fuck. Ugh. And also that kind of sounds that. that sounds like what he ends up doing with Forrest Gump. Like that, like that's kind of what Forrest Gump is about, yes. right? Like it's about the sixties totally. and yes. hippies and the war Forrest and all Gump that. Right. Is one of the wildest movies it that is. would never get made today. No. If you okay. made it today, it, it, you would, you would, would go you'd to be jail. Put in jail. That you would Bananas. go straight to jail. You go to jail. Right <laughs> but away. That being said, E plays Forrest Gump on loop during Christmas. And I will watch Forrest Gump four times in the row, like four times in a row, no problem. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. I, I love Forrest Gump, and it's a Gump. terrible movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, we're about to rewatch it. I have not seen it since I was eight. Really? I'm very curious to see how it plays. I've yeah. truly seen head, it maybe a hundred well. times. I love Forrest Gump. Last time I got very drunk on a plane, I was watching Forrest Gump, and I was like three inches from the monitor, and I was just like, oh, Forrest, you're so silly. Uh, yeah, I He's love quite Forrest a man. Gump. He is silly. He's very silly. So that's... That's that's the script that Gail writes by himself. And then they realize, A, we're not going to have Crispin Glover. So they go back to the drawing board in terms of rethinking. We have to make a Back to the Future 2 that doesn't really revolve around George. So they ah. make the leap to. It should be about the absence of George. Like, that defines the story. And then Zemeckis is the one who has the idea and says to Gail, like, we're in a position that no one has ever been in before, which is we can make a sequel where we go back into the first movie. That was Mm -hmm. Zemeckis' big, like, clever idea and said, I want you to write to that, which I think is the other main thing this movie is about, David. It's Mm. about sort of like, as you said, Nicole, trying to keep your family together. You know, these series of decisions you make, the ripples they have onto everyone around you, trying to define your legacy, you know, live up to your ancestors or outpace them and and find the future you want for yourself. But the other thing it's about is the difficulty of making a sequel. Not to get meta Mm -hmm. here, but I feel like this movie is explicitly about the audience expectations for a sequel to a film that everyone loves because it starts out like cashing in the exact thing that was promised to the audience that everyone got excited by where we're going. We don't need roads. Holy shit. What's this place going to look like? First 30 minutes, just fucking balls to the wall future. Mm -hmm. Every technology you ever want to see, you repeat the classic bits from the first movie. It's like the fucking second beat of a Herald. You Mm -hmm. do the diner again. You do the skateboard chase again. Like it's just perfect sequel, like same thing, but different shit. So then you get to act two and act two is everything's bad. Everything's bad. They (laughs) fucked everything up. They tried to give you the exact movie you thought you wanted to see and it ruined everything. It didn't ruin the future. It ruined the status quo, the happy ending from last time. This is a disaster. Mm -hmm. It's so bleak. It's so depressing. So then act three of the movie is like, fuck it. We just need to remake the first movie again. Like we tried doing something different. Audiences don't want different. We have to go back and do the exact same thing all over again. And the fact that it's literally Marty from like different angles of the same scenes trying to reorchestrate, making things just 10% different while also making sure the scenes largely play out the same is, I think, explicitly Zemeckis, who's a guy who like otherwise didn't do sequels, (laughs) making a movie about the impossible position of like, what do you do if everyone thinks they know what they want out of your movie? If you are kind of handcuffed as a filmmaker into those expectations. That's huh. fun. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good take. And so, the, yeah. and, but then the take on three is like, and then three is Zemeckis being like, it'd be nice to make a Western. <laughs> right? <laughs> so like that's, that's, like, yes. that's like the opposite yes. of the high stakes right. stuff you're talking about where he's like, well, yeah, you know, what is right. it to make a sequel to this movie? Maybe it was so much of a headache to do too, that they right. were like, let's let it breathe. Let's put it so far away from the first two that, like, you can't even get back into the first two. Right, right. I'm about to blow your minds. This is what's so wild. The only reason three exists is because 
Zemeckis loves the Wild West and he wanted to make a Western homage, right? right? right. They clearly just shoehorn the Back to the Future franchise into this genre that he likes so he could like play in that sandbox. <laughs> I also saw some behind the scenes interview from 1985 with Michael J. Fox where they ask him like, if you had a time machine for real, where would you go? And he's like, Wild West, I love cowboys. So I think everyone involved just liked Western movies mm-hmm. and thought it would be fun to do a Western movie. I mean, the, the Wild I West hate it. was originally Act Three of Back to the Future Two. They wrote oh one script God. that was 185 pages. Right. Wait, really? Right. Yes. I mean, that's dang. the wild thing. Right. So they, I could. They wrote see a script that, that was 2015. Right. Then they then, go to then the, the old alternate movie. Right. 1985 high. Damn. No, they weren't going oh, go to the weren't old gonna movie. do the old movie. It was oh, going to okay, be. Okay. They have to go back to the Wild West, I think, in order to correct it. It was going to be like. Uh, future hellscape alternate present old west I think I'm really glad they didn't do that in the second movie that would just be too much because the second like back to the future 2 is almost too much it is almost like oh boy but for me it's like just enough yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's fair I mean it would be it's like a maximalist movie but it could not handle anymore Spielberg is the one who said this is too long. You can't film this. If you guys want to make a Wild West movie, just make it two films. We can shoot them back to back. Right. It was sort of the first modern movie to do that. Mm-hmm. Back to the Future. One had been so big that they were like, you can make two. The audience is there. Shoot them at the same time. We're all good. But that's the other reason why three feels so light. Because mm-hmm. three is essentially three what is was meant to be third. a third act stretched right. yeah. for an entire yeah. movie. Three yeah. has no stakes. Like zero right. stakes. It's just a fun time. Three is just a like Doc Brown romance movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But I don't hate it. I like seeing Doc happy. Right. Gentleman Six, you love these characters. You like to see them have fun. Three is a fun Lloyd showcase. Like that's and that's great mm-hmm. for him. Like it's yeah. fun to see. But it also, Griff, like what you're talking about makes sense to me. But it's also the movie, the first movie has such specific stakes and the car can't be used except if you have lightning or nuclear, right? Like you can barely use the car. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the second one, it's like, okay, now we got the car and we can do whatever we want. So let's take it for a spin. The car does everything now. And it can fly, right? It can catch you. It can be part of every set piece. And it's kind of like exhausting intentionally. Like if if you really had a freaking flying car that could go back and forth in time, forward in time, like, yeah, you would exhaust yourself. You'd probably mess everything up. It's too much power, right? Like, that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, this is the only one of the three that's, like, really primarily a time travel movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, a movie that is about time travel. The first one is a movie where he gets stuck in the past in order to tell the story they want to tell, which is, what if you were the same age as your parents? Right. The third right. movie is this love story in the Old West in which they have to get back to the present at the very, very end. This one is, like, fuck it. We had a huge hit. We're going to have whatever budget we want. He's like pioneered all these groundbreaking effects with Roger Rabbit. So he comes back to the table wanting to show off all these new tricks he's learned. But it's very much the movie that's like, let's just do everything you could do with a flying time traveling car. Let's just do all the shit, which I think is part of the joy is that it's like so fucking jam packed. So do you want to talk about some some specific stuff in the movie, Griff? Scene by scene. Is there stuff you want to get into? 
Yeah. Right off the bat, they lose the actress, Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer in the first movie. Yeah, because her mom just... got sick and she just decided uh, okay, sure. she didn't right, want to act. Right. She just quit acting? She just quit acting. She just like quit acting. Oh, okay. She now owns like an Armani store in Los Angeles and does a lot of conventions. Okay. Fair enough. But she just went like completely off the grid. And unlike um, George, where they could write around him, write him out, reuse footage, put someone else in makeup. They were like, well, the end of the first movie is fucking Jennifer getting in the car with Doc Brown mm-hmm. and Marty. We have to do something. I do feel like Elizabeth Shue's a good actress in general. Her performance in this is so broad, but also the character is so thankless in terms of all Jennifer does in this movie is faint. The movie is immediately like, can we get rid of her? Like, you know, like it's just yeah, has that, like, right. let's just they knock her out. They leave her Jeez. in an alleyway. <laughs> they leave her in yeah. the garbage. They, they, like, throw her in the garbage. They just keep putting her, like, put her in a closet, put her on a street corner, put him in a dumpster. She just keeps fainting and they keep leaving her incapacitated in different places. Which, it, it's not... That's their fault for making that series of decisions. It's kind of a glorping on a major scale where it's just like, how do we not deal with this character? But there's also the problem of like when you recast it and you have a new actress who looks entirely different, has a different energy. No, she doesn't. They look exactly the same. They, I never, I didn't clock yeah. it. When I was a kid, really? no. I definitely did not realize I it didn't was know it people. was a different girl until today when really? my roommate was like, oh, that's Elizabeth Shue because we watched Adventures and Babysitting last night and I didn't yeah. know who Elizabeth Shue was. Uh, and he, he was like, that's the lady from Adventures and Babysitting. I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in the Back to the Futures. And he's like, no, just this one. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, she was, she replaced the original actress. And I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> they look exactly the same See, to me. I always found it super glaring. But she was also like a bigger deal at this well, point. Well, because I mean, of Karate Adventures Kid had Babysitting, come out. Karate Kid, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And Adventure yeah. Babysitting, yeah. Um, that's true. She is, uh, she's a hot property, but this is a hot sequel, right? I mean, I don't know. She's, Cocktail was the year before, I think, and she's, she's yeah, the so love she interest. Like kind of a movie star on her own yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's fine. But yeah, no, it just sucks that they... Or whatever. They just don't know what to do with her. It feels like they are like, ah, shit, we like wrote that she got in the car. Like, I guess we have to, (laughs) you know, like it's only that. Because they want to have a Marty and Doc adventure. That's what they want to have. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's what they want the sequel to be. But I bring this up only because it adds the weird layer with the first scene of the movie being a shot-for-shot remake of the ending of the last movie. They can't reuse it because they have a different actress. Right. So it feels like people have done the side-by-side compilations. It's like them trying to match their line readings almost identically, the same shots, the same timing, but it's all just recreated, which the whole last third of the movie ends up being. And then you go to 2015, which just fucking rules. And I said this to you, David. I feel like this is still like the vision of the future in pop culture that people use as a reference point most. And in in that way, Nicole, what you were saying of like when 2015 came around, people kept on talking about how disappointed they Mm -hmm. were. Like it was so fixed in people's brains. That's the year we're going to have a all spiky this metal by helmet this that ev- anyone can just wear. Like <laughs> I was ready for. I it. mean, I, I would want it. it. You can do that, Ben. Okay. Nicole will buy one. Yeah, I'll buy one. Great. We can wear them together. Just we'll be two little spiky helmeted people. All that stuff is just so. Funny. I love yes. his whole look. I love 
the fun, like you say, that they're having Griffin where you go back to the diner, you know, you have all those kinds of jokes. But like, I like the differences. Like, Griff is just, it's like bullies in the future will be like hyper bullies. Like, it'll just be like, they'll be like double the yes. bully. They'll be like on Coke or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that things are, th- everything in the future is just sort of louder and more colorful and more ridiculous, like in good ways and bad. Like, Wait, what's the Jaws sequel? Like Jaws 19 or what? I can't remember the number now. Yeah, Jaws 19. It's really, really real, I think is the tagline. (laughs) It's really, really personal. That's what it is. It's the most personal. And it's like credited as being directed by Spielberg's son. Oh, Um, that's fun. That is funny. The shark still looks fake. I I do like, I mean, like talking about uh, uh, Tom Wilson arguably being the MVP of this movie. His take on Griff is that he's like a short-circuiting cyborg. Like, there are obviously all yeah. these things. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. that moment where he grows taller, but even just the way he speaks and moves his body, it's like he's a robot that's been, like, doused in water, where he just keeps on going, like, McFly, I don't know what you're... <laughs> like, so everything weird. is like... But also, you have to remember that Biff is his dad. Imagine yeah. Biff yeah. is your dad. You would be <laughs> fucked up too. Yeah, he's fucked Who's up. Who's his mom? He's also, probably like... glitching because he's been hit so many times. Right, right. I guess. Or but no, Biff's his grandfather. Yeah, oh, yeah. Biff's still his grandpa. Fucking... Right, right. Oh. Hits him with a cane. So wait, Biff's his grandfather. So yeah, who's his dad? Yeah, who did Griff? Drift. Yeah, yeah, Drift, right, Briff. Who fucked know. Biff? Actually, <laughs> the worst. He's the worst. This is the thing I was arguing. I like to David is that. Two is where they start to like heighten Biff into being like a cosmic force. <laughs> right, of he's evil. like elemental. Like the idea that just like <laughs> right at any point in time there is a Tannen who represents the worst of all humanity. Mm-hmm. There's always a Tannen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is this the one where they are absolutely like he is Donald Trump? Like, or what, did they have the Trump concept from the yes. beginning? Or it's this yes. one where he's a yes. mogul? It's a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, and it's explicitly like, I mean, the hair is near identical right. minus the sideburns. Right. Um, and, and it is, I mean, it's one of those things. I feel like Gail and Zemeckis have to talk about this in interviews all the time now. But they were like, Donald Trump was the example of the grossest kind of person <laughs> at that point in the late 80s. So we just thought it'd be funniest if like that's the kind of tacky billionaire that he would be. Uh, not ever thinking it was possible that that kind of guy could become president. Like, they stopped themselves at... at Biff at can't be elected guy. to higher right, office. Right, He's just a rich guy. Right. It's just... That strains credibility. There's no way he would be elected. It's just so funny that he is our president, knowing that everyone yeah. has seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, the whole you know, world like, saw this movie. We don't want this. This is bad. And we're like, give it to us. We're going to elect it. We want this. They warned us in a very popular movie that people like. Yeah. I always talk about, too, there's this Sesame Street TV special. It was like the 30th anniversary of Sesame Street or something that was about Donald Trump buying Sesame Street to tear it down and install a new building. And Joe Pesci played Donald Trump. Post Oscar, it's Joe Pesci, and the character's name is Ronald Grunt, <gasps> but they style him 
exactly like Trump yep. in the He's suit the and hair, the red tie sure, right, with the yeah. wig and the eyebrows. And I'm like, in 1992 or whatever, you could do a Sesame Street special where an Academy Award winner played this guy and everyone accepted <laughs> that he was the villain, that he was a Biff-level cosmic evil. And then 20 years later, it's he got It's so wild that like someone so stupid is our president. Whatever, we don't have to talk about it. But like in Hill Valley, when it's all shitty, the thing that like really got me is when uh, Marty goes to his home, climbs in his window, and there's a little black girl in her bed. And I was like, oh, because it's a bad neighborhood, the black people now live in his house. Yeah, I was like, is... can we be a little bit more creative? Just have them be fucking hillbillies. They didn't have to be black. But then I was like, well, we well, didn't get any black people in the movie, yeah. so I guess I should be grateful. Right. The only you got Goldie Wilson. You have Goldie Wilson. That's the only black. Oh character, yes, yes, right? yes. Um, but yes. like, yes, the 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 transformation of it into a bad neighborhood is, is pretty lame. The only the the only thing is that then the whole city is just ruined. Like, so I guess mm -hmm. it's right. all bad. Like, like what did Biff do? Well, I like that it's dystopian, Griff. To be clear, I enjoy that it's sure. you know. Uh, lud Hell ludicrously, Valley. right, hellishly bad. But like, wh what the hell happened? Like, it's just that he like bought up all the property. Is that what he did? I think it might I be the same thing it. Trump has done, where he's given right. tax breaks. Yeah. Oh wait, I guess he's not the president, so I don't. Yeah, I guess he just has this big hotel casino. It just like sucks up all right. It's and like people wasted their money and couldn't pay their mortgages, and then they're homeless and shooting each other in the streets. I loved. The I don't think it was a chalk outline. It was like a tape outline of bodies on the street. Yes, that made me laugh <laughs> so hard. I was like, they left it there. They didn't take it away after they took the bot. They left it. The other thing is when you see when Marty's like outside the pleasure palace and there's the video playing of the like the museum, like how did Biff become the luckiest man in the world? You see the newspaper headlines of him buying off the government over and mm, over again. Sure. There's like the idea that he's the one who bought off enough senators or whatever to get gambling legalized. Mm -hmm. You see that one of the businesses he started was toxic waste disposal. <laughs> like it's just that he's this guy who's like reveled in the worst of humanity and has either made money off of doing things that like hurt the people around him or has paid off government officials mm -hmm. to legalize the bad things he wants to do. So I, I think it's like, yeah. He also dates Marilyn Monroe, and right? I There's know. a picture yes. of him with Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And then he dates like yeah. other beautiful women. Then they're like, he settled down with the love of his life, Lorraine. I'm like, what's in Lorraine's pussy? That this man <laughs> is the richest man in the world. He is And was dating there. Marilyn Monroe. And he's like, not for me. I got to go get this lady from the <laughs> 50s who didn't want me. I'm going I'm to put some say, titties in her. Like, what the fuck is... There has to be something in her pussy. Like, Donald Trump, right? We all agree. The whole thing is just his dad not loving him. Mm, like, everything right, is so sure. clearly rooted in wanting his dad's approval. You can see with this type of person just being like, I never got over... The right. fact the, that, that I was punched would, in the face she, while trying to sexually assault this well, woman. Well, but beyond that, that also that, you know, he approaches her in the street as well. Like, that she, like, loudly rejects him. And he, like, right? Like, she totally, right. like, uh, humiliates him anytime he's doing his awful, like, you're going to be my, like, basically just grabbing her, like you say, Nicole. Right. Like, 
he's humiliated by Lorraine and by George. And for a guy this simplistic, it makes sense that he'd just be like, cool, I will murder George <laughs> and lock Lorraine into a loveless marriage. It's so you know, wild. like weird movie. Because it, it doesn't seem like, I mean, you see him in the hot tub with other uh-huh. women. Obviously, he's paid for her to get this breast job. But their romance, like, there's no romance left in their marriage. It doesn't even feel like they have a sexual relationship anymore. It literally just feels like he's like a dragon wanting to keep a woman locked in a tower. Yeah. And my favorite part in that scene is when Marty comes back and he's like by the vault or whatever. And he's, you know, talking about how uh, an older man told him about the almanac, whatever, whatever. And then he was like, oh, you your car hit the, the manure truck. And he's like, how do you know about that? And he's like, yeah. my dad told me. He's like, your dad? He's like, before he died, he went, oh, okay. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard because I was like, for the, for a hot second, did Biff think a dead man told this kid something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's such See, a funny life. He's in a flying car at this point. Yeah. I also... Right. Like when he goes back and then you see Marty, like I also had the brain thing of like, wait, is he like supposed to still somehow be Lorraine's son with Biff? Like, but then no, right? No. Yeah. Because George. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's all That's a big part of it. And I also, the other thing I like about that moment, uh, Nicole, is it's like, well, the the manure thing is really prevalent in Marty's mm-hmm. mind because that happened to him yesterday, yes. right? Or like three days ago. But the idea that Biff reacts so strongly. He's never gotten like, over Even it. though this right. thing was 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Like, I just like the idea that Biff is still haunted by the five days that Marty McFly <laughs> was in the 50s. Like getting rejected by Lorraine, getting punched by George, getting manure dumped on him. Like his entire life has been like, I need to succeed to overcome that Mm -hmm. in this very Trumpian way. But once again, Zemeckis and Gail, you're like, well, how was he able to damage society this much? They had to argue it was just through his business dealings because their thought was there is no way someone this transparently ugly and boorish would ever be elected by a general populace. Okay. Uh, So instead, he's just a billionaire with a lot of influence. Here's another question I have. A key thing in this movie is that Marty hates being called a chicken. Mm -hmm. He, like, goes wild if anyone Mm -hmm. calls him a chicken. And it basically, like, we sort of see, like, it kind of ruined his life because he, like, had this hand injury, right? Like, he hurts himself. And he never yeah, gets, he gets over into it a car crash and hurts the his car hand crash. and crashing the car. He gives up his music right. career. Yeah. He never sends his stuff into the record labels. Right. Is needles needles, needles fucked him needles up? Needles fucks him up. Is that all? No. This is that's all new, yes. right? Like that's and needles is played by Correct. Flea, right? Yes. All of it new. Needles is new. The chicken stuff is new. I remember the watching this movie for the first time as a kid. Is it not? That's my question. Like it's it's not in the first movie. Yes, at all, it right? is. When, I can't that's remember, I don't remember the scene, but hold on, let me Google it because I'm pretty sure we watched it. I'm very recently. You know what? I'm I know pretty I've heard Gail. sure it's in the first movie. Now, now I'm finding it. Well, because there is a scene in the diner. It says Back to the Future Part One. I guess Biff calls. Yes, yeah. Biff calls him a chicken. Yes, in okay. that original. Like diner showdown where you have Crispin Glover and Biff is putting his paws on Leah Thompson and she slaps him. And that's when Marty gets in the fight mm-hmm. with him. He doesn't react in the same like bananas right. yes. way where he yes. like just kind of like, you know, sirens start going off in his head. But yes, it is in the first movie. That's what I was trying to remember. Thank you, Nicole. 
I couldn't You're remember welcome. if they made it up or like, you know, but this movie, he does the no, thing where he's it's like, nobody calls up. me chicken. Yeah. Right. The thing I've heard Gail say in interviews is they realized Marty had no internal conflict whatsoever. Right. Because Marty's like, so he's just busy. kind of the coolest kid. Right. In the first right. movie with all the time shit that he doesn't, he's barely a He's, that's how good Michael J. Fox is in these movies. Like, yes. Marty's just so inherently lovable. Like, even though, right, you, you barely, he likes to play the guitar. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that's about all we know about him. Right. And he hangs out with an old scientist. <laughs> he loves yeah. hanging out with an old scientist, which I uh, take as, like, he, his dad, he, he he wants a dad. He wants, like, a proper dad. Mm-hmm. He wishes his dad was a, an eccentric lunatic right. uh, instead of a pathetic put-upon mm-hmm. uh, man. Uh but, but yes, the Marty, it's like one of the best movie star performances of all time in the first one, because there's almost nothing to play there. He's almost entirely reactive. Mm-hmm. And he's just a guy who's pretty good at everything and pretty cool and charming at everything. Like it shouldn't work, but he's so good at reacting to people comedically. And he's just so charming um, that this one, they were like, there has to be some like inner conflict within Marty. I guess they took the chicken thing, which he obviously doesn't react to in such a, like, uh, nuclear way in the first movie, and made it like, oh, this is his entire Achilles heel. His his kryptonite is mm-hmm. calling him a chicken. You could get him to do anything, and it will ruin his life. <laughs> so that there was something for him to push against in a larger sense. Um, that's fine. Now, I appreciate that Marty has a little bit of an ego that's cool like i I, i'm cool with having a chip on his shoulder but i think i prefer how biff is so wild and Mm -hmm. different and dominant in the future and and in the past the marty stuff like it's like you it should be more michael j fox should be more fun as all these other people and i feel Mm -hmm. like especially like old marty like you know he's just kind of a loser like it's kind of a repeat of the first it's okay I, like I, I'm not as invested in all the Marty stuff. Is that crazy? I mean, it's his fear of no. It's I mean, it happens pretty quickly. Like they don't live in it for too long. That whole big house sequence, I feel like, is mostly a showcase for the technology. Which this is the first movie to really use like computer controlled cameras with actors playing against themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's the big breakthrough. Is it used to be if you had one actor playing two characters in one scene, you had to like have it be the exact same camera position without cuts, with a clear line or some object in the middle that was separating the two of them. And this he has like camera movements and wild sort of things happening, objects interacting with each other, which a lot of it is shit he learned from Roger Rabbit, obviously like having to shoot around two different elements Mm -hmm, and also mm -hmm. how to like puppeteer props and stuff so that they can be carried over from one part of a frame to another between characters. Um, But I feel like this is just him doing the like wowie gadgetry of A, oh, it gives Michael J. Fox something fun to play. He gets to do a bunch of different characters. B, Right, I'm going to show off how, like, no one's ever seen something like this in a movie before. Uh, and and they talk about, like, every... In, in the big family dinner scene, every single prop was, like, super glued down mm-hmm. because the shots wouldn't work if anything was misaligned. Right. So they shot it over, like, a week 
where he was shooting the different parts with the camera hooked up to all these computers so it would replicate the exact same timing and the same angles of the camera moves over and over again. And then the second to last day, there was an earthquake. And they were like, we fucked it up. It's like the whole thing's ruined. They had armed guards outside of the set overnight to make sure no one broke in and fucked with the set because it would have cost them like millions of dollars. And then there was this earthquake and they were like, God damn it. And they walked on and it was fine. It was like an act of God that the set was somehow fine. They shot the final day and finished it. That's cool. Um, George being upside down in the like uh, back harness Mm -hmm. was because they thought Crispin Glover was going to retreat and offer, agree to do the movie for less money. So they were like, oh, we'll punish him hmm? by making wow. him do the whole movie. That's rude. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. That's so hilarious. then instead, they just hire some lookalike actor to do an impression. And we're like, oh, by the way, you're going to have to be upside down for <laughs> 10 days of filming. Damn, that sucks. But then didn't Crispin, uh, he sued them, right? And he, he did. won. For a bunch of money uh, yeah yeah he's like because it's a classic they, image rights yeah. case basically right he's like i right. am you can't use my face right like that's right sort i of mean the, the makeup was designed to look like right. him they have an impersonator from different angles mm-hmm. doing some of the 1950s stuff and then you they also reuse yeah, yeah, and, and photos movie. of him and stuff right. right yeah and he's he's just like no yeah. it's not allowed and now, like, I I think he made a good portion of his net worth from <laughs> yeah, probably. not being in this movie, truly, because it was a pretty open and shut case, and it like it defined the rest of the industry, like yeah. it changed all the rules. We gotta thank Crispin yeah. Glover for getting paid for our likeliness. Yeah, I mean oh, that's, yeah. that's cool. I'm now I'm tra- now I'm sort of looking at Crispin Glover. Again. I wonder if his nickname is Crisp. <laughs> crispy <laughs> Professor or like Crisp. Crispy Crisp. Yeah, crispy gloves. Come on, crispy gloves. It is funny that they do work. He does work with Zemeckis again one day in Beowulf. He did finally. They must have made peace eventually. Well, the other weird thing is when he talks about it in interviews, he's like, I have no problems with Bob Zemeckis. He's a gentleman. We worked together in Beowulf. I had a lovely time. Uh-huh. I hate Bob Gale. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Bob uh-huh. Gale. He hates the other guy. Okay. Nicole has like very much been the like spokesperson for the franchise and the ambassador. Uh-huh. He doesn't really make many things after Back to the Future. And so while Zemeckis goes on and does all these other things in his career, Gale has always been sort of like the steward, does all the interviews, does all the promotional appearances, like oversaw the animated series and the ride and all there that There was sort an of animated stuff. series? And- Oh, yeah. I've been watching it, and I enjoy it thoroughly. Uh, it's Good mostly about uh, Doc Brown's <laughs> kids. There's, like, it's kids? It's mostly about his two little right. boys. Yes! Jules and Vern. They get into trouble. Jules his one and kid's Vern? a nerd. The other one is, like, a rebel Bart Simpson kid. Wait, and they get into trouble, and I, then Marty and Doc have I to watch follow this? them. It is... Oh, it must be streaming somewhere. I have it on DVD. That's been Griffin. Griffin, you have it on DVD. And I've DVD? been watching all of it at night. I have the DVD, the complete series, Back to the wow, Future. Wow, there's two seasons. Who knew? Two seasons. Yeah. Let's see. Where is uh, it though? Mary Steenburgen. Okay. Returns. Sure. Yes, and so is uh, Thomas Wilson, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, but well, no, Christopher Lloyd oh, Bill does Nye's in live. It. Christopher Lloyd does live action. The beginning and end of every episode is Doc Brown live action in his lab teaching science lessons that relate to the episode you're about to see. And Bill Nye does that. That is Christopher literally Lloyd doesn't do the insane. Voice. 
It's Dan Castellaneta from The Simpsons does Doc Brown animated, and Christopher Lloyd does like eight minutes live it's action not per episode. Streaming, you would have to buy the DVD, which is only available used, but for like for like also, ten bucks. It says on the Wikipedia that it's a French-American animated science fiction comedy. <laughs> what do you mean French-American? Griffin, please explain. Is it French? I guess it must have been like a French production company. Oh. Um, here, wait. Let me hold this up. Let's it see. does say it's can see it. virtual background. Oh, okay. Yeah. That? Oh, yeah. Okay. Where you see the cartoon yeah, yeah, versions yeah. of everybody. All right. All right. All right. Um, uh, but yes, that that series is very much like every time they're like, "Oh no, my kids have escaped to the Civil War!" Right. Oh no! And they have to like follow the kids, and then there's like General Beauregard Tannen, and they're like, "Oh no, Biff's a Confederate!" <laughs> and then oh, and it takes it, place every episode's after like that. Back to the Future Three, so that's why Mary Steenberg's yes. in it because he's with his wife Clara. Oh, and it's, it's his sons, wild. Jules and Vern. I get his it. His sons. It's wild that she's the one who was like, yeah, I'll do all the episodes, considering that she was a fucking Academy Award <laughs> Well, maybe she really responded to the material. Claire is a great character. Um, anyway, that's the wild thing I've been watching. But uh, uh, Glover's always been very anti-Gale. He's mm-hmm. like, Gale mm-hmm. keeps on spreading false rumors about me and how difficult I was. I don't like him. I, I don't see. respect so him. So there's there's forever uh, beef on yes. that front. But they, whatever. They're not making any more Back to the Future. So, you know, all but good. But I wish they no, would. I want another one. Well, I suppose it's not impossible. This is the other thing. It's Back to the Future is in that like last time period where they made deals like this, where uh, Bob Zemeckis and Robert Gale, why did I say Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, Bob and Bob, have to approve of anything. They're not allowed to do anything Back to the Future without both of them signing off on it, which now studios don't give. Yeah, absolutely not. They're like, no, it's our fucking shit. We're going to do whatever we want with it. That's wild. Right. But like, yeah. Uh, Christopher so Lloyd's like, getting It will old. never be remade. So yeah. let's uh, let's throw him up in there. Let's for Back to the Future 4. Let's get a. Uh, I mean, yeah, Doc, Marty Doc was let's already a thousand years old in the first movie. Yes, and he's such a funny. No, sorry, where are you going to say? No, no, you go. When he takes his face off, right? We're all thinking about that. That's really good. It's such a funny gag. It is funny because, right? You have the joke in the first movie that, like, oh, the docu meets really old. Now let's go back in time. He barely (laughs) looks any younger. And then this one starts out where you're like, well, we're now stuck with old Brown as the neutral. We don't want Christopher Lloyd wearing prosthetic wrinkles the whole movie. So let's explain that he had this experimental future rejuvenation technology and he can look 30 years younger. And then he pulls it off and he looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. I love it. Now, you said... Like, the first act is the stuff that you said you get the most excited right. about, David. The third act is the stuff that is the most thrilling to me. Like, even if the first act is the most fun because of all the future building uh-huh. they do, uh-huh. just the, the the fucking, like, the magic trick of we get to remake the first movie and, like, tinker with the scenes and show them from different perspectives and fit into all these crevices, you know? Yeah. Like, Doc Brown talking to himself. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I... I don't know. It, there's something odd about the third act. That, even though I know Biff is insane, it's kind of insane how much he's trying to kill him. You know what I mean? Like with the with the, because the car chase he doesn't, and all that. He knows that the future is going to change if he doesn't kill him or his right. present. He's will got change. higher yeah. stakes to it. Right. Yes. 
Um, I love Griff, the, the ending ending of the third. Like, I love the lightning strike. I love all the, the sort of like time travel joy of like the guy showing up and being like, I was told to be here on this day. Like, you know, from this, that, that, that I love, like, that's the kind of time travel shit that always gets me excited. I guess I enjoyed the tour back to the first movie, but I'm just kind of like, I love that first movie so much. Like I'm almost worried that they're messing with it. Maybe, maybe that's what, what sort of sets my teeth no, on it. About they're it. I don't not know. messing with it. It well, adds to the first movie. Like mm, the first you. time I watched Back to the Future 2, I then went back and watched Back to the Future 1 and then enjoyed the like the the dance in a different way because I knew more information about the dance. Uh, yeah, right. the idea that there's also right. a little sneaky yeah. sneaky Marty off to the side mm. just right out of frame in all those early scenes. I think it's another effective commentary thing and like what you're saying David mm. like if people love a first movie, their fear with the sequel is, is this going to ruin the first movie for me? Right, right, like, can right. a sequel retroactively make the first movie worse? Which is why people get, like, defensive about new new installments and franchises, mm-hmm. right? And this movie is like, we're literally having a character walk into the edges of the <laughs> scenes you've already loved and try his hardest to make sure the first movie doesn't get ruined. Like, he's just barely keeping everything at bay. Right. I just think that's so fun. I agree. It's fun. Thank you. I like it. I like it. I think it's You great. sound reluctant. What well, we want Griffin, is for you to yeah. go, oh, I love it, baby. Oh, ooh, it's ooh, so good. <laughs> that is famously I what I always dance, do. David. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I, I dig it. Um, I, I think I sort of just enjoy the invention of the first, the first act and the second act more because... There's so like Zemeckis is so good at that kind of world building, like all the little jokey stuff mm-hmm. in the future, all the little jokey stuff in the nightmare world, like all the little details that are crammed into the frame. Like those are just very delightful to like take in and like chuckle at, like like scene after scene after scene. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's when he's doing all the second beat stuff, like all the mirroring of earlier scenes, and also the fact that. Hill Valley is so based around that town square that you get to like right. re-theme that one area. You can always play with the different storefronts and what the clock tower is transformed into. Do we know how he killed George? Do they explain it? Or is it just that he killed it? With a gun. Yeah, the same gun. Same gun. gun. Right, yes. Same right, 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 yeah. Pop, he just pop, pop right in the gun. face. <laughs> pop, pop. <laughs> I think as a kid, I was so entranced by the idea of the almanac. I liked sports pages in general anyway like i always liked just like that there was a part of the the newspaper that was just like all these little tables you know all this like really boring data and like the idea that you could use that to become so rich i don't know i think i was taking away a lot of the wrong messages from this movie when i was 10 years old (laughs) they should call you biff sims i uh, he's the MVP. I think Tom Wilson, Thomas yourself. Wilson. I don't know if he he's whatever. I he I think he's the MVP of this movie. He's the one yeah. who gets them to do the most new stuff, and it's joyful. Like I think Lloyd kind of gets a better showcase in three. Is that Correct. fair? And yeah. Uh, yeah, and Fox they like sort of satiate him by letting him play all the other characters because other than that, he's just kind of running around the whole movie. I mean, it feels like. All the family stuff is just a gift to him, so he has something to chew on as an actor. But the Tom Wilson stuff's the best, 
his big monologue to Marty, like explaining the safe leading up to them on the rooftop where he's threatening to kill him is so good. But for me, the big Tom Wilson scene is the car scene between young Biff and old Biff is like so fucking good. Mm -hmm. And both of those performances are so good. And the frustration of old Biff dealing with how stupid young Biff is (laughs) and like the self-hatred of that. You know, like, they're just like, put in a safe. No, of course you don't have a safe. Right. Like, he just has such contempt for himself. Um, they're so clever, too, of, like, they still... Zemeckis is still using, like, weird dividers to to be able to build the split screen around for any scene where it's two actors talking themselves. So with, like, the two Doc Browns outside the clock tower, you have the flagpole. In the car, you have the divider of the windshield. There's that mm. scene where Marty is like in the wings while the uh, prom uh, performance is happening where they have like the ladder in the way and the ladder looks composited. Like it's got the weird sort of like green screen glow around it. And he does this thing that he does all the time, which is like go out of your way to make something look like it's really there. So he has the the Marvin Berry actor walk around the ladder that's not really there just to try to sell mm-hmm. it. There's another one where the, when the car is flying out of like the shitty uh, Hill Valley cul-de-sac, it hits a bunch of boxes and like trash falls over. And the car is clearly a model and the trash is real. <laughs> and that's such a Roger Rabbit thing of like, he must have just had seven PAs holding onto wires <laughs> attached to the trash, just pulling the trash so that they could later composite the car in there. But it's all that like Zemeckis nerd shit that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that too. I love all I those know. tiny little think... details. That that's joyous and like I don't know. Like the, if you think about this movie, I think like in it's an '80s movie. It's in the era of Blade Runner. Like having like a shiny, crunchy, silly future versus a terrifying future, and having a terrifying present instead. Like all that, yeah. I appreciate. I think that is a nice spin on the 80s concept of what's going to happen to us. And you have that that final act that's like, uh, you know, the the, the metatextual stuff. Yeah. Is the, I mean, I like your you know, take. I love tr- your take, Griffin. Can I say that? He's trying to save the first movie. Right. Yes. And, and he's also, like, the stakes are high because of the Biff shit. Like, as we know, Biff is a full-on fucking psycho who's going to murder his dad. So is there a better Back to the Future 3? Like, say someone, like just talks to Zemeckis and is like, Bobby, like, and like, I like Back to the Future 3. We're going to have a fun time talking about it. But you know what I mean? Like, is there a way to heighten this movie further? Or is this about as bananas as you can be? Like, is this sort of like, is Zemeckis right to be like, we should sort of chill out for the next one and kind of stay put? Do you have any takes on this, Nicole? I got like a really wild take I thought of while watching this. But I want to hear if you have anything. No, what's your wild take? I do think to some degree this movie goes so bug nuts that the third one has to be scaled back in some kind of way. You have to bring it back to more of like an emotional character story away from it being the wild, like they can travel everywhere, the car can do anything. We're jumping all around multiple timelines. I do like the idea of it being sort of set. And the other good thing about the Wild West premise is that you're like, oh, they're at a time really devoid of technology. It's really hard for them to get out of it. It's really hard for them to fix the car. That's good. The thought I had watching this one was like, would it be cooler if they went to like prehistoric times? 
If oh. you're going to do this premise, is it cooler if it's Doc and Marty? Yeah. No. Nicole shaking no. her head. No. Doc Brown is too old. You don't want to see a body double running away from a T-Rex. You, it's just, you don't want it. I'm telling you right now, it would be very bad. Okay. It's also like, what, four or five years before uh, Jurassic Park. So, like, the dinosaurs would not have looked good. Like, yeah. they were just ahead of it that would have di- still been like stop motiony dinosaurs. It would have been yeah. It would have been goofy. Yeah. Let's let's wrap up. If there, is there any? We should play the box office game. Okay. Griff. Is there anything else you want to hit before I kick that off? Yeah, I, I want to do a brief merchandise spotlight. Uh, the the hoverboard in the film has the Mattel logo stamped on it, which mm-hmm. they did for verisimilitude. They were like, we like the idea of this not just being a high end technology, but a thing that like little kids play with. Let's get a real toy company to put their name on it so it looks like a real cheesy product. But that combined with the fact that uh, when Back to the Future 2 was coming out, they did this very weird thing that's on the DVD set called Back to the Future Night, where they played the first movie on network TV for the first time, but did a behind-the-scenes plus sneak preview of the next movie special that's hosted by Leslie Nielsen. It's Leslie Nielsen, like after Naked Gun has made him a star, wearing a tuxedo, getting out of the DeLorean, telling no jokes whatsoever, being super dry and just going like, hello, I'm Leslie Nielsen. You might know me as a movie star, but that's not why I'm here today. I'm here because I love time travel. And it's just him I love it. saying like, I love Back to the Future. Don't we all miss Doc and Marty? <laughs> but in that thing, they show this behind the scenes peak of the hoverboard sequence, which I feel like was their big money sequence. Like, you're not going to believe the special effects of this thing. And in that, Robert Zemeckis says, you know, hoverboards are real. They're like a real technology that the toy companies have had for years and years and years, but they've never been able to sell them because the government won't approve of them. So we just got Mattel to loan us a hoverboard and making the movie. And because of that, kids for years saw that special, saw it with the logo, thought the hoverboard was real. And Mattel got letters for like five years after this movie begging them to release a (laughs) hoverboard. And they just had to like majorly, majorly course correct and like say like it was a lie. And then people were like, why are you covering up the truth? You told us the truth the first time. It's a conspiracy. All the hoverboards are in a warehouse somewhere. Um, I would never buy a hoverboard. They seem very dangerous why? to me. Why? I would buy I, a what hoverboard. If fell fell what if I fell over? What if I fell and then I hurt Get myself? Get some knee pads. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. uh, be adventurous. Get, buy a box of band-aids. The, the closest thing we have are those things on wheels, right? The little boards that are on two wheels where you kind of like lean forward. A hoverboard. Those they're called hoverboards. They That's the thing that sucks right. about them. They're, they're called literally hoverboards, called hoverboards, but they're pretenders <laughs> to the throne. Um, I got so excited when people were like, oh, kids are now are buying all these hoverboards. And I was like, what? They did it? And then I saw that dumb fucking segue yeah, without a handle Yeah, that's bullshit. essentially what it is. It's a segue without handles. Right. It's, they're dangerous. I've been handle. on one and I've also fallen off one. <laughs> Sucks. I, I'd buy a hoverboard tomorrow. Uh, all right, fine. I don't know. I'm too old for hoverboards. I But... When I was a kid, I wanted a hoverboard. And I just like, that's the introduction of 90s style. That that the sort of green, pink, you know, like neon, mm-hmm. the way it's like tricked out. That's like my childhood. That's what everything looked like when I was a, when I was a kid. And that's that's great. Yeah. Griff, let's talk about the box office. It rules. It's so cool. Uh, I want a hoverboard. Also, that sequence is one of those things where it's like, that alone, I think, shot took four weeks to shoot. 
because it's essentially like Michael J. Fox wearing an Iron Maiden being suspended from cables like a marionette puppet Mm -hmm. to get like one shot at a time. It's such wild stuff that they make look kind of effortless. Right. And everything in this Um, movie looks very effortless, which is impressive. mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this movie came out, Griffin, Thanksgiving, 1989, November 24th. It was the- Not Iron Maiden. Chastity belt is what I meant to say. Okay. Wearing a harness for flying scenes is like a chassis belt. That's the joke I wanted to make. I apologize. It wasn't worth going back. <laughs> okay. David box office. It, it opened. It was a very big movie. It made lots and lots of money. It made $43 million in its opening weekend. That's uh, wild. That's too much money. Tons of money for the 80s. You know, I, I, everyone was happy. Like, I don't think it made as much as the original movie ended up making, but big opener. Number two, Griffin. It's, a, it's, a, it's 89? 89. Now, number two, Griffin. Uh, Nicole Griff's going to guess the top five movies of this weekend. Number two is a notorious bomb, like from a huge star, like, but one of his most famous bombs. Uh, Okay. I'm sorry. Say, say the, the date of the weekend again. It's November 24th. No, Thanksgiving, 1989. It's November. Fuck. Okay. Uh, Notorious flop from a huge star. Is it an action guy? It's a comedy guy, but this is like a serious movie that he's doing. Fuck. It's comedy guy doing a serious movie. So it's not... He directed it. And he directed it. Why am I not thinking of this? It's like, this is so obvious, right? I would say it's a pretty... It's not like a movie people remember that well, but pe- like it's a famous flop. It's a fam- like It's a big comedy star. He put two other big comedy legends in it. He directed it. He wrote it. Like, it was his huge passion project. Harlem Nights? It's Harlem Nights. Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox. You know, big period piece. Uh, huge, huge flop. That's what it is. Have you ever seen it? When you look at it, I mean, Harlem Nights did make money. It did. It did. But, you know, I feel like at the time, everyone just lambasted it, yes. right? Like, it just got this, like, terrible. Have you ever seen Harlem Nights? Anyone? Has anyone ever seen Harlem Nights? I sure Never haven't. No, I mean neither have I. I kind of always been wanted. I've always wanted to check it out because I, I yeah. love Eddie. I've seen sure. most of them. I don't know why I've never seen that one. I remember hearing some interview with him where they were like, "Do you like directing? Would you ever do it again after Harlem Nights?" And he was like, "No." People just kept on coming up to me and asking me what I thought of this pillow in the background. <laughs> I don't care. That was the way he described directing. He was like, "Just stop yeah. asking me about pillows." All right, Griff. Number three, it's the Disney movie. It's a cartoon animated film. Big hit, 1989. It's a big hit. It's The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. It's just starting, but it's going to make tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. Number four, another huge comedy, huge comedy of the year. One of the biggest movies of the year. Very gimmicky. Um, a director we will do on the show twins? one day. Not twins. Um, twins is Similarly earlier. gimmicky. Um, sort of revives someone's career. Oh, is it? Uh, fuck, it's someone will do someday. It's not. Yes. Oh, oh God. No, but I'm it is to think of like career revivals. Yeah. Yeah, well, and maybe that's a bad. It's uh, it's a kids movie. It's like a kids comedy. Hocus Pocus. Kids. That's a great guess, but no. No, it's a bad uh, guess. Not only I shrunk the kid. No, not Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, but it, it does involve special effects, sort of, yeah. I guess. Something crazy is happening in this movie. Something crazy. Something is unusual. It, is the title describing the wild thing that's happening? 
It's describing. It's like I can't. I can't describe the title. It's. It's. Uh. You know. Oh, something's happening. Like that's what the title is. <laughs> what if there was a ghost? Dad? No. Uh. Come on, Griffin. Uh, comedy director. Um. It's a big comedy uh, director who will probably cover someday. It's not Ivan Reitman. No. Female director. It's it's a Penny Marshall movie. Nope. No. It's oh, it's Look Who's Talking. It's Look Who's Talking. Look Amy who's Heckerling's Talking. Look Who's Talking with John Travolta and a talking baby, voiced by Bruce Willis. Yes. That's what the movie is. It yes. was one of the biggest hits of the year. Humongous. And then there's another huge hit. A, a, a famous sappy movie is number five. A famous crier. A famous, a famous crier. Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolia. Wow. Oh wait, I got that right. This is a hot. You got it right. <laughs> Nailed it. This is a hot five. That's a f- hot five. I think those are uh, Harlem Nights big bomb. But you know, eighty nine was so big, and I feel like eighty nine was a year where the the biggest opening weekend record was broken like four times. Like I think Ghostbusters uh, right, two right, broke sure. it, and then Batman broke what Ghostbusters two had broken. Mm, you had a lot mm. of big sequels for the first time. You had a lot of movie right. stars at their peak. It was wild. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Eighty nine, the big movies are Batman, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future two, right. Lethal Weapon two. Right. Like it's a but lot boys, of big sequels. There's boys. a lot of gimmicky movies. Like look who's talking. We gotta, we but gotta let yes, yes, Nicole we gotta let go. get Nicole out of here. I'm sorry. Without letting Nicole I go. Know. Nicole, I know, we don't have to fine. apologize. We're, we're we did done. it, but we don't want to hold you any longer. So thank you for being on the show. No. Thank yes. you for having Absolutely. me. Okay. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, Nicole. <laughs> See you, Nicole. And then there was three. And then there was three. She froze while waving goodbye and smiling, but it looked like she was just committing to to. It looked like happy. she was sort of doing a freeze frame goodbye, <laughs> yes. like in a sitcom. Right, which ah. Ben is now doing. <laughs> the other thing that I was sort of like, like watching this movie, I'm like, damn, this is a dense movie. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. And then what I often do when we're doing the show is I have like the Wikipedia page open so I can just have the plot summary up. Mm-hmm. And like plot-wise, it's a very... There's not, there's not actually a lot going on in the movie. You know what I mean? Like it's, sure. it's all antics, but like it's pretty simple. Like, like you said, like it's like that this and then that and then yeah. they fix it. You know, like it's 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 all it's all pretty surfacey, which maybe is my problem with it, but is also kind of the point. I don't know. I think this is a weird movie. I, that's what I like about it. And to you saying, David, like, is there a better version of Back to the Future Three that could exist? I feel like this is the best possible Back to the Future that could ever exist. I feel like this movie has all of the smartest uh, you, and sort you of mean most sequel. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You said Back to the Future. You just said it's the best Back to the Future. I think I said that could two. Exist. Oh, I might. Maybe I might swallowed it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Zoom right, sucks. Right. But uh, what yes. if? Hmm. Right. Because I was I about just... to say, what if this was three? But maybe not. Like, maybe What's you two? need to do, like I said, you need to do all the wild stuff first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other point is, I mean, like, uh, I was watching the making of stuff and Spielberg keeps on saying, like, we were following in the Star Wars model. Like, the second one is the dark one. We wanted to make the one where everything went wrong. Yes, that's fair. And it ends on a cliffhanger that is ostensibly 
uh, scary, right? Like Doc is gone. And, and then it's right, also yeah. the first movie to end with the trailer for the next movie ever. Which is a bold decision at the time. It yeah. does kind of suck a little bit of the power of the ending away. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's kind of better to leave Marty on that truly like, fuck, what's going to happen? And then instead it's like, anyway, soon they're going to be in the Wild West. Yeehaw! And you're like, well, okay, I guess they're going to go to the fucking Wild West then. I guess that's what's going to happen. Yeah, they talked about they were like worried that audiences would revolt if the movie ended on such a down note. So they wanted to give them a guarantee that the third one was in fact happening. Like it was more just to show like, look, we have footage. I swear to God, the movie is like a given but right right right, it's kind of a thing where i almost wish they cut it out for like home video releases like it just cut to credits now even though i'm usually the stickler for like show it to me the way it was in theater yeah you gotta keep it it's a weird little artifact that they did that ben before we wrap up like wrap up wrap up you didn't get to talk much because you know nicole had a hard out we wanted to get you know nicole talking but you do you do you have any takes on this? I just feel like the the hoverboards, the the the, the clothes, the fashion, the clothes. I mean, that's what I wanted to jump in on. I think right. that yeah, this is so nineties. Like that's what we were talking about too. The colors, yes. right, like right, and right, like right. the mm. projection of that. But the gang, mm. right? Because think about in the first movie, like a thing I wrote oh, down right in my yeah. little congratulations idea notebook is I want to get mm. customized 3D glasses because I think that fucking rules yeah. is just an accessory to just wear right because right. one of Biff's henchmen Do wears you know that, that character's that? name no the henchman who wears the 3D glasses what is it 3D hell yeah that's good <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I brought up the helmet their fucking look is it's so fucking good so good and yeah i think even just down to like i think a little thing that i always remembered is um griff's one metal knee pad yes like just little shit like that it's like lost boys yeah meets um like blade runner right like it's just such a great amalgamation of all this stuff but then it's still a kid's like movie right so it's not like sharp and like edgy i love it can i give you the names of the gang yeah of the future gang please data spike and whitey (laughs) did you have a friend called spike ben because i feel like you should have in high school uh no because that feels (laughs) too on the nose do you know what i mean (laughs) that's what i like about it i had a friend named spike I lived with a guy named Spike. I was the Spike friend. I have a different friend named Spike now. That's right. And lousy with Spike. Wait, you have wait, you have two Spikes in your life? You know what? In fact, I arguably have three. One wow. of my best friends in high school who I later lived with when we both dropped out of college was named Spike. Right. I have a friend who now goes by Spike. And then my best friend in college for the brief time I was there before dropping out uh, was a guy who was known as Spike. And when he went to college, he was like, I'm going to shake up my brand and change my name. So I knew him as Nick, and then I've stayed in touch with him over the years, and when I hang out with him and his friends, they all call him Spike. Wow. Like, I knew him in the one period when he kind of wasn't Spike. It's weird that he was, like, 
I have to rebrand. I can't be this cool anymore. I can't be Spike anymore. I'm just going to be he, Nick. I'll be regular He used to wear Nick. like a spiked bracelet. And so I haven't called him Spike. And he's like, I don't want to be the bracelet guy anymore. And I think he didn't realize, oh, I can still be named Spike and not wear the bracelet. It's just, right, Ben, I'm, I mean, I know it's not quite Vaporwave because we're not no. quite at like the mid-90s Encarta yeah. Yeah, vibes that are that are the sort of the base of ba- of vaporwave, but still, just like the the hologram of the shark biting Marty, like all that stuff. Yep. No, absolutely. And for how much they got right, like in their future predictions, yeah. like they say, like fifty percent of it we got right, fifty percent of it we got wrong. Stuff like the how quickly eighties nostalgia was going to come into play. Like cafe eighties looks like just a, a pop up that someone would have. Uh, but uh, there's shit like there's the the surf Vietnam poster in the back alley, mm. which they were just like, this is ridiculous. There's no chance Vietnam is ever going to become a tourist attraction. They nailed that. Right. Like the gas prices, uh, the thing with like watching like eight different screens at once and the kid wearing the headset at the dinner table. The joke that the Cubs are in the World Series, which everyone was like, ha ha ha. And, you know, they famously never make it. They did win, I believe, the year after. I think they won the World Series 2016. Yeah. And that there's a Miami team, which at the time was not true, but now there is one. Like that, All that stuff's fun. It's making me think that you really, like this first movie and the second movie are really the only times where you can make these kinds of projections and jokes because you can't do that now no 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 it would just, just be climate change bad. it would just yeah, be climate just, change yeah and that shit right floodland like <laughs> <It was> truly <laughs> that's what i read some interview with christopher lloyd where he they were like should yeah you know i assume like as he gets asked all the time we're like would you want to make a back to the future four and he's like yeah if it's about climate change i don't really know else how else you do that I feel like he's shot new stuff as Doc Brown about climate change that they've like put on the internet or put on the re-releases and stuff like that. Um, Right. But yeah, it seems like that's the only thing he wants to talk about. Uh, Good for him. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's a legend. It is interesting for how much technology stuff they got right. The fashion stuff, they were totally kind of off point for the 2000s, but then on point for the right. early 90s. Like, everyone just took a lot of right. these aesthetics and started manufacturing them in 1992. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of... that's. I feel like that's often true with these future yeah. movies. You really are just predicting five years in the, in the future. Right. right. In terms of clothes. Marty's shoes look like Air Jordans, like, from, like, the mid-90s. 100%. Right. Oh, right. you want the other merch spotlight is, like, they've produced those shoes a couple times in, like, crazy limited runs that they do for Michael J. Fox's charity to raise money, and they go for, like, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just insane shit. But Nike does have the patent on self-lacing shoes. Like, they have filed that patent. They have it. They have not released it. I feel like they, at some point, were, like, showed off some early prototype that didn't totally do it, but it's actively a thing that they've been working on since this movie because they want to be the ones to do it since this movie gave them the glory of that creation. Right. Um, right. Pepsi did, like, in 2015, they released the bottle that looked kind of like the bottle in this movie. Like, all the companies that are used in this movie kind of embraced it. But I want to say, Ben, you mentioned the spiky boot, the one boot that Griff has, that's also, like, becomes the biggest design aesthetic of, like, 90s comic books, David. Like, that becomes, like, Jim Mm -hmm. Lee, Rob Liffield, Todd Mm -hmm. McFarlane, 
the character has one oversized boot. Absolutely, you're you're not wrong. And then the other foot's kind of normal. Right. Yeah. You're you're totally right. I just feel like people people crib from this movie all the time. They do, and I think it rules, and I love it. I'm glad you love it. I like your take. I there's just always going to be something for me with this movie where I'm like more enjoying it than I'm loving it, but. I don't know. That's, maybe I'm, that's there's fair. just something wrong with me. I, you know, kid, maybe. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, there's definitely something wrong with you. I don't know why you keep on arguing about those extra two inches. But for me as a kid, I preferred this one, which is objectively the wrong opinion. But I think I just got so excited by the wildness of it. I think that is a classic kid opinion, though, where you're just totally. like, this rules. You know what I mean? They like, do you're just more. like, this is so much fun. Right. Yeah. It's bigger. Um, um, yeah. Can I say, though, especially now that Nicole's gone, because I just think she would have no interest in this conversation, what's the movie that is most indebted to Back to the Future 2 specifically? Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame is so Back to the Future right. 2 100%. in every sense. Yeah. It's just like watching this again, not having seen it in a while. It is wild how the structure is almost the same of like, you know, you you create the future that's worse than you ever could have imagined. And the only way to fix it is to go back into the previous movie and relive yeah. your greatest hits. It's so funny because Avengers Game makes it clear. It's like, but, you know, back to the future is not how this stuff actually works. But it right. is basically the same context like basically it's, the same like idea of a wild. movie like let's go back and look at the greatest hits and sort of have fun dodging around with them which I is mean, fine was, like yeah totally i was clowning on the russo brothers pizza film school in our i want to hold your hand episode and then i believe literally the next day they posted an episode with bob gale that's actually really good and worth watching and it's marcus and mcfeely okay. the two russos and gale and they just get into a lot of the storytelling principles that Gail and Zemeckis had at the time and how like the Russos and Marcus and McFeely are trying to like math it and like talk about like, but you have to do this by page 16 and this and that. And Gail's just like, I don't know. We just did stuff because we thought it was fun. But like, these are the yeah, rules. Right. We hold ourselves to in terms of character integrity, in terms of fulfilling promises to the audience, not the same sort of like structure mechanics shit. Um, but it's so clear how much they were beholden to these movies and then also that they were like, we had to explicitly write in a character saying it doesn't work like Back to the Future because Back to the right. Future becomes the thing that everyone thinks of in terms of like cause and effect with time travel. Right, right, right. Um, and that's that's fine. Uh, I get it. Like that's, I you know, I feel like I stuck up for the Russo brothers when you were clowning on them. Then I, mm -hmm. someone posted the intro to their thing it's, and I was like, ugh, this looks like the worst. <laughs> and I sort of felt really, bad about it. It's really hard. And then uh, now you're saying like, yeah, but you know, and so now I'm like, all right, I'll give them a shot, right? Like I'll like... I, yeah. I like a great many things about those guys. Yeah, there are right. a lot of things uh, that are very easy to clown on with. Them. And and that intro... Is definitely, that's exactly... Top of the list. Of right. Uh, but I recommend that people watch the Back to the Future episode of Pizza Film School. I recommend that people watch all 26 episodes of Back to the Future, the animated series, available now on used DVD. It's essential. It is an essential is it, watch. Is it? Essential. Essential, David. Stop your... Stop your The Wire rewatch and watch Back to the Future, the animated series. I'm not rewatching The Wire. I Good. have thought about rewatching The Wire because... Um, 
it's whatever, you know, the sort of time we're all like rewatching shit right now, right? Like that's yeah. sort of like um but uh my uh Forky is a teacher um in his spare time. I don't know how to do the forky bit about this. And the Wires school series, I think it's just going to be too much. Yes, it will be too much. It's so it's so devastating that shit. Then why like, not so, go back in time yeah. and hang out with these friends? Um, yeah, you know what? Fine. I mean, Jesus, I mean, you, you talked me into it, Griffin. I'm going to buy the back to I'm not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to do Look, that. Look, J- Clara, Jules Verne. I Look remember watching it. Griffin Ine. I watched it when I was a kid, much like I watched like the Beetlejuice cartoon, like a lot of yeah. those cartoons that were based on movies that I may not have even seen yet. Like, but I just sort of like soaked in the aesthetics by these like little Saturday morning cartoons I, first. I absolutely watched all of those cartoons before I saw any of those movies. Yeah. Bill and Ted, Beetlejuice, Back to the Future. Yeah. The one I remember always is the strangest. I still remember to this day is the MC Hammer. Oh, Yeah. Hammerman oh, yeah. his friends and they talk to him. Right. What a fuck. Yeah. That's a weird thing, I guess, that doesn't exist anymore, huh? Like where people could just shoehorn any concept into that time slot. I, I so badly want it to come back. And it's one of my great disappointments that I think back, uh, not back to the future, uh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers, which is the Fast and Furious animated series that's on Netflix is not that at all. Like, when they announced they're doing a Fast and Furious animated series, I was like, great. It's going to be the whole cast. They'll bring Paul Walker back from the dead with a sound alike, and they'll all be driving, like, robot cars. And instead, it's Dominic Toretto's nephew working for, yes. like, a government agency. This is, Griffin, this is, like, one of the... this You you are so annoyed about this. So annoyed. Right? Like, yes, so you annoyed. brought this up to me multiple it's times. It's one of the four or five biggest issues plaguing our world today is Back to the Future. Why do I keep saying Back to the Future? Fast and Furious Spy Racers. You wanted to go on that. That the, the cartoon show is the thing that's been plaguing us the most. <laughs> and we'll end there. Because I want more... Like, this is, this is what I want. I want, like, John Wick the animated series. I want someone to do, like, a Saturday morning-style John Wick series that functions like the Rambo cartoon series, where John Wick has, like, a team of orphans who help him, like, defend the future. <laughs> or they're and his all guns dogs. All, Right, right. And his guns are all like stun guns. There are no real bullets. Like, I just love the weird bastardization of like movies that weren't totally meant for kids, but then become very successful with kids. And then you make these odd cartoon adaptations where like Beetlejuice, the animated series is about Beetlejuice and Lydia being best friends and Lydia just going into the ghost world to help Beetlejuice out with his problems and vice versa. Whereas in the movie, Beetlejuice is a man who tries to marry a 13 year old against her will. Yeah, he's he's less. Less cool in the movie, I would say. Right, right. They're like good buddies. And Back to the Future is about like Doc Brown's annoying kids and Uncle Marty having to clean up their messes. You know, Einstein driving the car and shit. Like, I just love this. I want all adult movies to have animated series again. It's 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 all I ask for. Make a Mad Max cartoon. I'd watch the hell out of it. Yeah. About the guitar guy, just him. And his Mad band. Max Adventures or whatever. Yeah, do Doof Warrior. Yeah. Doof and Sons. Right. <laughs> little Doof. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever son. you want. <laughs> do Doof and Son. Doof and Little Doof. Uh, wow. Well, thank you folks all for listening. Next week, Back to the Future Part 3. We conclude our Back to the Future month 
Uh, yes, join us next week for Back to the Future 3, which we're going to record very soon. Um, yes. And I'm excited for that, just because that's a silly, loosey-goosey movie. It's a silly, loosey-goosey movie. It's The Ultimate Gentleman 6, and it's certainly the one I've seen the least. So I'm excited to to watch it again with fresh eyes. And yeah, I don't know. about Bobby Zemeckis, we're still in the golden years for this guy. I know. You know, everything's going fine right now. I'll say, oh, that's the one final thing I wanted to say. Watching it now through this prism, you do start to see a lot of the things that start to plague Zemeckis come up in this movie. This feels like the first one mm. where it's like, A, it feels like Zemeckis and Cundy nailed down this like super shiny Amblin-y look that I feel like is what all 90s like adventure films, family comedies, like blockbusters all kind of have this color palette, this sort of bright, shiny lighting going forward. Where even in the nighttime scenes, right. everyone's kind of cleanly lit, right? Right, right. Uh, whereas the first one has some some grit to it. Two, yeah, the I like, I'm designing entire sequences around showing off new technological tricks I've developed. That's what was occurring to me, right? Where he's just like, can we do this? And they're like, maybe. Right. And you're like, okay, Bobby. You know, like it's all in service of something insane. Yeah. Which is good in this because the movie's kind of just bananas anyway, so who cares? Mm -hmm. But it it's going to be his Achilles heel. Like more and, and the more. stuff is good. The tricks he pulls off are good this time. Like it's worthwhile and it's a lot of stuff that was new and that changed the industry uh, forever. He pioneered a lot, right. a lot of shit on this movie. Um, right. But but the, the final piece of it is uh, the Zemeckis obsession with sort of being clever and being a step ahead of the audience. Spielberg says in some behind the scenes thing that he's like an ornery filmmaker and he wants to have like a struggle. He wants to feel like he's pushing against something. When I interviewed him, he was so fucking ornery. <laughs> and right. I don't mean that in a bad way, but that's definitely his energy. But the more successful he becomes, the more he's like, fuck you, I'm doing mocap Polar Express. Like he wants people to be doubting hey. him every time and trying to outclever them. There's an amazing quote from him in a behind the scenes thing, though, where he goes like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was like really frustrated when we we're trying to come up with ideas for this movie because I don't really care about time travel. I don't really care about the future. I don't really care about aliens like the future and aliens, I think, are the two least interesting things you can make movies about because it's just you guessing you don't do anything. You know, you don't know what you're writing about. You're just making shit up. And then it's like seven years later, he does contact. He does another time travel right. movie, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what a weird anyway, guy. What a weird guy. And we'll be talking about how weird he is for the next uh, four months. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe. Go to uh, blankies.com. Blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Blankies.com. Go, Go to Shopify, our Shopify page for merch. We'll have new stuff coming soon. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash or forward slash blank check. I always get corrected for that slash blank check for our special features where we're doing the alien franchise, but also going to do an episode on uh, Tales from the Crypt, the Zemeckis Gale episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, we have the Crypt Keeper himself as a guest. Yes. Oh, we do spoiler. Have the Sorry, guys. I no, should've. what's weird, we have the Crypt Keeper booked, but for what lies beneath. That's the weird thing. <laughs> that one <laughs> he's an expert he's an, he just likes is it. the crypt keeper canceled is that is that possible Ooh, yeah <laughs> actually, like someone who might I'm get sorry. canceled i'm sorry crypt keeper 
Cryptkeeper is an ultimate ally. He's a gentleman on set. <laughs> he fights course, hard for I'm the so rights sorry. of his crew so and his sorry. cast members. Yeah, please don't say that. The Cryptkeeper is like Hugh Jackman. Okay. He's like very supportive of everyone around him. Um, I don't know why I went to Hugh Jackman. All right, we're done. That's it. We're done. Okay, you that's have to the end of the episode. Always. That's all. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of... Right. And when you say you, you got to do an end as always, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on my end as always, because usually I'm just kind of like rolling into it. And now you sort of circled it. Put a well, social media, it. Ange. I got to thank Ange. Uh, Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for our artwork, of course. And as always, D- David kind of screwed me with the end as always. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I would have done a great end as always, but the pressure became too great. And you folks just have to imagine what it would have been had David not not burdened me with expectations. It feels like... I'm turning my Zoom off. You just keep going. It's my Back to the Future too. How could I ever live up to what people wanted it to be at this point? <laughs>